Hello, everyone, and welcome to Cricket Ultras. This is Arun Sudhaman. I'm going to join by, uh, sorry, I'm going to start, in fact, by asking my fellow podcasters a question. Darren Burns, what's your favorite toasty? I do. I'm quite, impar- I'm quite impartial to a really, really well done, nice sort of fresh ham, bit of Gruyere cheese, maybe a bit of tomato, squash it down on the Jaffa line. It's the best thing ever. But I like, I like mine quite well done too. Yeah, that's that's an impressively well thought through and researched selection. <laughs> Toby Doman, where do you stand on the great toasty debate? Mine's much less cosmopolitan. It's usually after six pints of uh, lager and just cheddar cheese and then an egg on top, which then just kind of mixes with the cheese and becomes a bit like a, an omelette. Oh, gosh. A little bit of Gallic flair there, Toby. <laughs> a bit early for I that, like Tobes. <laughs> a runny egg. Kind of a, a, a cup monsieur yes. in the toasty. Right. Impressive. That'd go well in the pocket, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> well, what do we think? So what do we think Manus Labuschagne's toasty was? Do we know the filling? I think we do. Yeah, it was ham and cheese, wasn't it? Ham and cheese. Um, so we are, of course, referring to uh, the big cricket story of the past two weeks, <laughs> Toasty Gate. <laughs> Uh, in which it was revealed that uh, an Australian cricket player, unknown to begin with, uh, had to be stopped from taking a toasty onto the field. On the third session of the fifth day of the final test against India, when Australia were battling, really battling, to stay in the series. Um, Darren, is this just another sign of the decline of Australian cricket? I think it's just, it's a, it's a sign of Manus Labuschagne. There's, there's a great interview I saw with somebody where, they asked Manus Labuschagne to get on a plane. Now, of course, Manus Labuschagne was later, later found out to be the culprit. And, and they asked him to fly down to Sydney uh, to do some batting practice with, I think it was Trent Woodhill. And uh, apparently he just tur- he turns up at this the academy or whatever, and he's got his hair all like out of shape, like he just got out of bed. He's wearing um, really old beaten up shoes, track pants and a T-shirt with nothing else. And um, the guy says to him, what if you're you know, going to meet the – selectors or, or the coaches and he goes well i'm not am i i'm meeting you and that was before he even made it to the australian team so i, th- I think he's a bit of a loose cannon old man he, he dances to his own rhythm a little bit but very village indeed isn't it you know it reminds me of when we're playing in uh you know pl- club cricket and people used to walk out in the field with cigarettes <laughs> after the break right instead of deep fine leg with a cigarette in their mouth <laughs> well uh, it's quite quite village, isn't it? <laughs> I, I played a few times and there's a gentleman who would bring not one packet but two. So he'd have 40, 40 cigarettes on his person and he would often ask the umpire to hold his lit cigarette while he bowled <laughs> his over. <laughs> right arm over. Can you, you hold this? Yeah, yeah I, I knew a guy who used to smoke a spliff on the, uh, <laughs> I think on I the know, field during play. I think I might know who that is if it's in Hong Kong. And that's just the umpire. Very oh, poor okay. decision making. <laughs> He was in the zone. Okay, we'll come back to Australian cricket, Toasty Gate and Justin Langer. I guess we have to go to the great city of Chennai, the greatest city in the world, where England, despite being, I thought, a little unfairly written off before the series, trounced India by 227 runs in the first test. I thought England played... Perfectly. I'm not sure things really could have gone much better. An outstanding performance by them, Toby Doman. Well, I've just come off the ceiling, really. It's been an amazing um, uh, amazing victory to watch. I was just looking through at some of England's best modern-day away wins. I think Melbourne in 2010 beating Australia by an innings 
than 157 runs in an empty MCG, probably still the best. But this has to rank up there. It, but going such a difficult place, um, Chennai is such a fortress for India as well. It's kind of the Gabba for India, I've been reading. Yeah, India haven't... Have they lost in Chennai? Not, not for a long, long, long time. time. Um, fabulous, fabulous game of cricket, actually, before we even unpack some of the performances because, you know, India come off the back of that massive high in Australia. And I think in mitigation of, you know, the, the, the losing, I think there were some players that maybe looked a little bit tired and maybe emotionally drained after that experience and obviously long time in the bubble. But still to turn out a test match like that going into the final day, um, on a on a deteriorating pitch as well showed great skills on on both sides but yeah fantastic win for England and they they go into the next test brimful of confidence and 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 willing to make changes apparently as well Chris Silverwood says yeah a great reminder uh, in this match Darren of the enduring brilliance of Jimmy Anderson wasn't given the new ball in India's second innings didn't come on to bowl until something like half an hour forty minutes into the final day uh, and then just reminded everyone why uh, he perhaps shouldn't be rotated. Yeah. I mean, that was that's that one over in particular where he, he just missed Shubman Gill, then he had uh, Rahani in all sorts of trouble, a big LBW shout that was very close and then bowled in the next ball, really getting the ball to talk, you know, moving the ball from way outside off stump uh, knocking over the pegs on both occasions out of the ground. So it was a really inspiring spell and that really got broke the back of the Indian resistance, didn't it, really? From there on in, it was Mr. Leach who continues to go from strength to strength. I think I was reading somewhere that uh, Leach now has the second highest, the second lowest bowling average for a left arm spinner in second innings outings. And you know who the number one is, which is quite surprising. Is it Daniel Vittori? It's Colin Funky Miller. Remember him? Oh, wow. Uh, what's the sample size on that? Yeah, it's, but it's, it's over a certain amount of tests. Uh, but Colin Miller did pick up a lot of wickets but very expensively uh, in the subcontinent, but uh, very interesting indeed. I think Michael Vaughan gave it a 10 out of 10, didn't he, for, for England? Yeah. Bit of a concern around Don Bess. I thought he bowled okay in the first innings, but he bowled some rubbish in the second innings. I mean, he bowled a lot of four pitches. Yeah, I thought I didn't think he was that great. Even in the first innings, I was lucky, thinking maybe. this guy. But apparently that's what happened in Sri Lanka. He took five wickets, quite fortunately. But... Look, he's still taking wickets. You, you know when you're playing yourself, right? If, if you bowl, a, if you play a guy who bowls a couple of good balls and some really bad ones, it actually becomes more that's surprising, the worst. <laughs> right? Yeah, that's the worst. Because you're kind of you, you've hit him for two fours and you're feeling good, and he bowls this absolute ripper. And you're like, where the hell did that come from? So I think he's a bit like that. The ball he got Kohli with was was very good in the first innings. Yeah, definitely. Um, the ball he got Pujara with, perhaps less so. He, he is a concern, um, I think. And, and Leach has, has come good, I think, after being battered by uh, Pant in the first innings and to come back and, and establish himself in that match as the senior spinner. I think Bess, Bess was very mercurial, uh, very up and down. Good stat attack. You know I like stats. I've got two for you. One includes a question. Here we go. Um, in the first innings, Don Bess bowled 26 overs, uh, four for 76. Jack Leach in the second innings bowled 26 overs, four for 76. That's the first time in tests that a team has had an identical best bowling figures in each innings, overs, runs and wickets, which is quite an incredible. That is an absolute wow. gem, Tobes. Not bad. That is, a, that is gold. That is amazing. Um, but yes, I would say Jack Leach clearly bowled better despite being dismantled by Rishabh Pant in the first innings. It's a kind of thrilling counter-attack from the young man who's who's also, I think, feeling very confident in his batting. 
And Jack Leach, after the test, I, I heard his interview on TalkSport. By the way, I was very impressed with the TalkSport coverage, and I would recommend, uh, if you haven't already, uh, to check it out. Uh, and Jack Leach actually was, was really honest about it. He said, yeah, I was feeling really low on the third day after <laughs> after that assault. Though he didn't try and, um, and sugarcoat it at all. Uh, and I think it really shows strength of character. I mean, yes, he, he certainly benefited from the conditions on a fifth-day pitch, and, but you still have to put the ball in the right place and all the rest of it. And, and uh, after taking that kind of a hiding in the first innings, I really do think it, it demonstrates something about Jack Leach. You can't write him off. Yeah, uh, He may not be, you know, he may not be a Monty Panesur or a Graham Swan, but I think he's certainly good enough in these conditions to take wickets. For England's second spinner, I'm not sure whether Don Bess is is the guy. Yeah, I think we'll see Moeen coming in, coming in for the next. Really, I, th- I think so. I think that rotation is the policy, and they're talking. I don't know how you drop Jimmy Anderson after that for Broad, but Chris Silverwood is adamant that there will be changes, and he's not um, not not against doing that. And I think Moeen has been out of the side for a long time, and Bess is the junior spinner. Moeen offers more with the bat. So I think maybe that stiffens the batting lineup for the next test. Yeah, that would be a big call. There's talk of Moeen batting at number three, in fact. Really? It's a big call. Yes. Yeah, interesting, right? I think Joffre Archer also sort of went below the radar a bit, but I thought he bowled really well as well. Like that fiery spell uh, up into the, around the ear holes and up the wickets, I thought he was, he was great too, especially in the second innings, uh, roughing up a few of the batsmen as well. So it was a good, good foil for Jimmy Anderson and two spinners. A big call to bring in Moeen, I think. Yeah, I don't know. And what about Joss Butler? I mean, Joss Butler said he's going Butler's home, Butler's going right? home. He's going home. I think that's a blow for England because he, he kept immaculately, I thought. So is Johnny Bairstow coming in or what? No, Ben Folkes is oh, going Folks. To, Who plays well in, this, in the subcontinent, uh, has got a good record, um, but he hasn't played test, test cricket for a while. Moeen hasn't played test cricket for a while. To be putting... Yeah, but I don't think... I mean, Ollie Pope hasn't played Test cricket for a while. But he looked rusty, he, right? Well, I think so. Okay. I, I think the the India tour of Australia showed that you don't need to play Test cricket at all to be successful. At all. <laughs> well, let's talk about that. I mean, I think it was a big come down for India, uh, and as is the way, it's almost like from cloud nine to crisis. Um, I think you know, after sort of turning water into wine on the Australian tour repeatedly with some of these picks, um, they were a little found out in this test match. Uh, they lost uh, Aksar Patel on the eve of the match, which which he was going to play. He was kind of the replacement for Ravindra Jadeja, who's who's kind of shaping up to be a huge loss for India in this series. Um, losing Aksar Patel meant they went in with Shabazz Nadim, um, who I will admit I'd never heard of. I was very surprised. Uh, has actually played a test match for India before. I didn't realize mm. he played India's last home test match against South Africa in November 2019. He was. Uh, he did not perform particularly well. Neither did Washington Sundar with the ball. The support spinners uh, really let India down here, and it actually looked like India were the away team. Um, yeah, which is probably the strangest thing of all, and maybe that some of that is down to the fact that for India this is a more rapid adjustment. I mean, if you're the England, England in team, Australia, you probably don't want to be facing cool deep, right? Do you? So I'm surprised they didn't they bring are, in Kuldeep Yadav. I don't know they why they not, don't want to bring him in. Yeah, it's well, one of the reasons is because of his batting. So they're always wary of playing Kuldeep at number eight um, or, or of having a tail that starts at number eight, which is sometimes what will happen if you play uh, Bumrah. Well, if, you, if you've got and, Washington, Thunder and Ravi Ashwin there, 
and then Cool Deep. Yeah, then you can him, play. Right? Yeah, you play Cool Deep at number nine. Yeah, I think th- the other reason is they want a, a batsman who will take the ball away um, away from the right-handers. So if you play Cool Deep, then you essentially have three spinners who all bring the ball in. They're throwing the ball a lot of wrong ones. to the right-hander. Exactly. So. Yeah, but I think I think you're right. Jadeja is is really a, is, is he going to be fit anytime this series? What's the what's the latest? There's amount? no word. He may come back for the final two tests, but I, I I'd be surprised if he does. And then of course Mohammed Shami, who you know would have been a handful on this pitch too, is also missing. I think India, um, England just looked better better adjusted. I think after playing in Sri Lanka, they were actually more acclimatized to the conditions, which sounds crazy for an, an Indian team playing at home. Um, but India haven't played a test match at home since November 2019. Uh, but, all, you know, I just, England just looked settled. India looked flat. I think Toby's got a good point then. Maybe they were a little emotionally drained. But this match was lost in the first innings, I felt. England, Joe Root is just walking on water now. That The, the double century, uh, also his catch to dismiss Ajinkya Rahane was a blinder. India didn't score enough runs. 3-3-7 um, you have to make more than that when the going is good on these pitches, and India will know that better than anyone. I, I was reading about Root actually, that, and you're right, he was the platform, I think, for England's victory in that first thing. Batting for two days in the humidity and heat, obviously not great for the bowlers for, on the Indian team. But Root apparently has, has been tinkering with his technique. I think there was a, it was a bit of a dry period for runs, maybe about a year ago, maybe just before. He's, he's widened his stance he's, he's, and is sitting a bit lower at the crease and varying his trigger movements. And I think he kept getting out easily in double figures, often in 40s and not quite getting 50s. But now he's getting the daddy hundreds. And so, um, you know, hundred. this was his 100th test as well. And so what a time to score that. Um, and I think his captaincy is improving. I think there were times when he let the game drift a little bit. I think in the, the sort of last final session of day three, uh, India were getting back into the game Um a couple of players scoring half centuries. I can't remember who they were, but Rishabh Pant and Washington Sundar. Yeah, Sundar batted beautifully. Actually, he was a, he's a he's a good good player. And so there was times when I think that he could have been um, a little bit more proactive. But he's he was lucky to have all of those weapons in his arsenal. He had uh, the enforcer for Stokes. If you want to bang it in short, he had Archer, who somehow got something out of that wicket. Uh, he had the brilliance of Anderson and the reverse swing as that uh, that SC ball started to get older. Uh, and then the control of Beth's, uh, sort of, well, not the control of Beth, control of Leach. And so he was lucky, really, to have all that uh, with him. One bright spot, I'd say, for, for India was that Kohli looked in good touch again. Um, oh, not not much really he could well. do with the, yeah. the, the pitch was basically turning into uh, sandpaper by the end, and he was still managing to look pretty assured. So I think that's a good sign. A, apparently, according to Crickviz, he had a, a 0% false shot percentage mm-hmm. until he got out. Yeah. Wow. On that wicket. When I mean, you saw the balls that dismissed Rahane and and Shubman Gill, and and even the ball that got Kohli in the end, you know, kept really low, real, really. It's difficult not all one. bad for India though. I thought I thought Ishant bowled very well. I mean, three hundred Test wickets now. It's a big. He really, really wanted that at the end of day four. He was saying one more, one more skipper, one more uh, to stay on, and he didn't quite get it. But he was getting it to reverse, and he looked in good shape. He hasn't played much Test cricket for a while, um, and I think also. Um, you know, Ashwin bowled very well. You know, it's difficult. You know, they are tired in some cases. So there are bright spots for India. I don't think it's... I know that the frenzied media reaction to this will probably hurt some in India. I think that's unjustified. I think it was a very, very good uh, test match. Full stop. One final stat attack I'll leave you with is that 
Joe Root has become only the second <laughs> batsman in history to produce scores of 180 in each of the three successive tests that they've played. Can you name the other batsmen in test history to do that? Uh, score 118 plus in three successive tests. Yeah. yeah. The obvious one would be Don Brabham, but it's obviously not. No. But a bit, it's bit, not Vinod Kambli, is it? No, Kumar Sangakara is the other batsman. Oh. oh, I remember that. Yeah, he had that purple patch when he was just scoring runs for fun. That was a long run, I think, he went on. No, not of over 180, but just of getting big scores. In, I thought Joe Root captained really well, uh, I, I should say. Meanwhile, Virat Kohli has now lost four tests in a row. Uh, should not be overlooked. There are, as you can imagine, some whispers around um, about whether he is the best person to captain India. We've discussed this on the podcast before. I don't think Kohli is going anywhere. But it is interesting that, you know, Ajinkya Rahane is is unbeaten as uh, as India captain. In fact, I think he's won every match he's captain, whereas Virat Kohli has lost four in a row. Uh, and and now India are left facing some uh, some tricky selection decisions for the next test match. Uh, and we'll talk about the England decisions as well. Uh, but just looking at India first, um, I think the batting is is settled. I don't think they will they will make any changes to that top six, even though uh, Rishabh Pant, you know, isn't going to keep well in these conditions. Uh, but the question marks are really around um, who, who comes in for their final two bowlers, assuming they stick with Ishant, Bumrah and Ashwin. I can't see them making any changes to those three. Um, Shabazz Nadim, I can't see him playing. Um, but then there's talk also that they may not play Washington Sundar if he's not going to bowl well, because he didn't really offer much penetration as the fifth bowler which suggests that they will either pick Kuldeep Yadav. They also have the um, the, le- the, the right-handed leg spinner, Chahar. Is it Rahul? Chahar, I think, is in the um, in the squad. Yeah, I've seen him bowl, obviously, a lot in the uh, the Mumbai Indians, right, in, in the IPL, but is he, is he, is he well-known, you know, first cl- what's his first-class record like, do you know? It's, he, he's played a lot of first-class cricket, let's, let's say that, first of all, but... I don't think he's in the same league as obviously a, a Jadeja, even a Kuldeep Yadav. I don't think so. And then, of course, there's also people are wondering whether Mohammed Siraj should play because he bowled so well in Australia. But, you know, do they really want to play a third seamer? It looks like, um, you know, they're playing the second test is also at Chepark. It'll be a different square, but the expectation is that the pitch will take spin from day one. Rather than, rather than from day three or four. If you looked at the commentary or watched the game, you can see the strip they were pairing beside it, right? It looked quite dry. I mean, that's only three days out, right? It looks super dry. So you'd expect it to be quite similar. Yeah, so I'd, I'm not sure a third seamer is, is, a, is a good option, actually. You know, I do think India should consider rotation. I'm not sure they can keep bowling. Uh, I don't think Jasper Bumrah can keep bowling, you know, I mean, how many overs did he bowl in the game? 50-plus. Uh, actually, no, that's wrong. 40-plus. Uh, but he hasn't played a lot of test cricket. This is actually his first test match in India. Um, so India now have some some tough selection decisions, and I don't think they got the selection right for this test, and that was a big problem for them, because in Australia, I think they got it right pretty much every time, and then in this match, I think they, they missed. Yeah, look, I think they're pretty much, as you said, set with the batting order, right? I, I don't think they're going to change that. I can't see them dropping Rahane or Rohit, right? So they're going to go with that. Do they bring in Saha for Pant? Big call, they might. To me, it's about it's about Sundar and 
and Nadim, I don't think Nadim will play. Uh, he, he didn't look very penetrating at all. But would you play Washington Sunder though? I don't know. He didn't. He didn't hold up an end. See, if he's not going to hold up an end, right, or stem the flow of runs, which he didn't really, did he? No, it's very different bowling spin in India than in Australia. In Australia, he could come on and bowl, you know, five to ten overs. In India, he's got to be able to bowl like twenty overs and hold it up. It's the first I've seen of him actually. He's, he's a, to, to look at him, you think he'd be a big, scary, fast bowler. He's a big frame. He's a tall guy. He's well built. And he's got he's got a very interesting action where he sort of hang, hangs his arm out the back a little bit towards the very end and then delivers it very standing standing quite upright or almost like a tin tin soldier delivery very good batsman and he's come from T twenty right so he's learning his trade and he's being asked to do a very big job yeah. without much experience he is a batsman in fact when he was uh, we we Darren and I talked about this in the last podcast when he emerged in in Tamil Nadu cricket it was as a batsman. Um, but as is often the way these days, uh, if you're a batsman that can bowl a bit, um, you get transformed into a bowling all-rounder for the demands of of T20 cricket. Yeah. I mean, let, I, I don't think we should get carried away here. I mean, this is the first test. Um, we've seen similar turnarounds. We saw in 2017 Australia win the first test in India, and then in, India comes storming back and win 2-1. That was the Steve O'Keefe uh, With one test. draw. Yeah, sock. sock. Socky boy. Right. So, so look, I mean, they batted first. Like, I mean, if India wins the toss and bats first and puts on a bunch of runs, let's see how it turns out again. But I, I wouldn't get too carried away with this, the first result. No, I don't think so. I don't think India need to panic. We know they, they can bounce back. One thing about this Indian team is they do kind of fight. They don't seem to give up too easily. Kohli looked in really good nick, which I think is helpful. Shubman Gill looks pretty solid. Um, he looks a million bucks, doesn't he? Shub McGill, even if he scores five, he just looks so good. He just looks like he's got so much time. He looks good even when he grace. was uh, bold. I thought he looked very elegant. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> just the way he got bold. Exactly. There was, it wasn't sort of, yeah, it was just this beautiful sort of through the gate yeah. and he sort of put his bat on his arm and he gracefully walked off. It he was did. just, yeah, it's a good look. languid. Yeah, in languid, yes. It's a good way to describe him. Okay, let's talk about England. Do, do they dare rotate Jimmy Anderson out? Um, I'm sure he'll be fine. <laughs> I don't think he will. I think he'll be a bit grumpy. Um, grumpy Jimmy. Look, the, 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 the opportunities for Silverwood to rotate in it, what is a very busy test calendar. Don't forget, India come to England for another series of test matches straight after this. It's back to back. They'll be sick of each other. Um, but the options, I guess, if, if Jimmy needs to be rested, um, is broad and then Ollie Stone in for Joffre Archer. Silverwood has a policy of, uh, having someone with, uh, extreme pace in there when there's a really dead wicket. And I think Mark Wood, is also in the squad, so there's a potential. Bowled decently in Sri Lanka. Um, ben Folks, as you said earlier, um, will likely come in for Joss Butler, who will be returning, which is a shame. I think, as you say, he kept very well in potentially difficult situation, a difficult wicket to keep on. Uh, and he seems to have got his eye in. But anyway, Folks has got a decent record in um, uh, in South Asia. And in the batting, I think, you know, I think leave Rue where he is. A slight concern for me, was uh, Rory Burns. He's looked a bit rusty. He's just come back from paternity leave. So um, I think in the second innings in particular, he was out for a golden duck. Uh, well, like Coley as well, also back from paternity. Are you, are you suggesting maybe that fatherhood is is an impediment to cricketing success, Toby? Well, I'm, in, I'm suggesting it's an impediment to getting his hair cut because he, he looks like a, a swashbuckling pirate with his, with his hair. So. <laughs> Lockdown hair for Rory, but yeah, I, I think that England's bat- batting was 
It was decent. Stokes obviously chipped in in the first innings with uh, a very a much needed 80. Dan Lawrence has taken a little while to settle. I think he'll probably remain. So batting, like India, I think the batting lineup looks set. Maybe some tinkering with the bowling just to rest some of those tired legs. Yeah. I think it depends how they pull up, right? It's a very short turnover, isn't it? It's four yeah, days, it's, it's, five days. Uh, four days, yeah. I mean, if you if Anderson's out, for example, if India bat first and they put on a pile of runs and Anderson's got a bowl, you know, 30, 40 overs, that's probably going to take it out of him, isn't it? But but do they risk it? Not not having him is also a risk. Right? It's a big call uh, to leave to rotate either of those yeah. two, Archer or It's a Anderson. nice problem to have, though, as most coaches would say. You know, uh, the, the fact that they've got the options to move it around. Plus, because it's India and two spinners, you know, it's unusual that you would ever play two spinners. I think anywhere else in the world, other than India or Sri Lanka. Um, so this makes for an interesting selection. Yeah, I mean, and and to have Stuart Broad. He's no slouch, you know. He's actually ranked second in the world right now. So, right. It's it's yeah. It's not as if it's not as if they're gonna. I don't think he's gonna come in and and suddenly um, reduce the quality of England's bowling attack noticeably. Of course, I'm looking forward to to England doing okay in this series. That which means Australia might still qualify for the Test Championship. Indeed, if England if England do well, but not too the well. The machinations. Not too well, exactly. Yeah, Australia will get through. Uh, India need to win by 2-1, I think, minimum. I think England need to win 3-1, 3-0, or 4-0 to go through. Did any of you like see Mohamed Siraj slapping Kuldeep Yadav? I did. I was just going to ask you, actually. I'm, I'm watching the video. It's right under the nose of uh, of Ravi as well, which seems Actually, bit... well, he had his back turned. Wow, it's they're close. <laughs> I'm looking at they're close enough. I'm thinking, well, that's a bit dodgy. He, he, knew, he knew when to turn his back. He's got plausible deniability. Was it a slap in anger or was it in jest? Or? It was a bit weird. I'm not sure. What did you make of it, Toby? I'm watching it again right now. It's, it's that kind of, it's the kind of grabbing someone by the scruff of the neck like a, an errant son. Like, get over here, will you, you know, and finish your dinner. Ah. It's a bit like that. Yeah, I mean, they play on the same team. So there's been some talk that this is just, you know, bants. But... But I don't know. It's it looked a little disrespectful to me, and, and Kuldeep Yadav is the senior player as well. So, so it wasn't in the same vein as kind of Baji slapping Sri Santh, right? No, that was kind of um, in anger. Well, in anger, but also I think that was something everyone got behind, right? That was you know, <laughs> the cricketing world was was kind of united. Are you it's, saying he deserved a slap? You know, Sri Santh is um, is is not only back in the Kerala team, he's made the Kerala team, but there's talk he might get into some sort of, you know, uh, Indian probables camp. Really? Yeah. He, he's also thrown his hat in the ring for the IPL, right? That's it. That's what I was reading. Yes, he's, in fact, I think he's going to, He's yeah, he's in the auction. That's it. How old is he now? He, 36. He must be what? 36. Actually, maybe okay. older, he, but he's been, he's been lifting weights. He's really, like, huge. He's um he's 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 a giant now. All right. Good rig. So we look forward, of course, to the second test in Chennai. Uh, the crowds will be back, and maybe that will make a difference. They're expecting twenty five thousand, and of course the uh, it's just that old trope: the knowledgeable Chennai crowd. It's actually a hashtag I saw on Twitter uh, because of how often commentators. I uh, heard that. Rely on that. It's, uh, Sonny Gavaskar was talking about it, and I'd never heard that before. And it's like, oh yeah, they like their cricket in Chennai. They really know. They appreciate good play. You know, I was like, oh, okay, but it's a. I fell for it. It's it, well, no, I think I think uh, Sonny Gavaskar actually says it in seriousness, and that's why it's become a joke because 
so many commentators will say, oh, the knowledgeable Chennai crowd. It's, it's the only thing they ever say about the crowd in Chennai. Even when I was growing up, I remember people would say, oh, the crowds in Chennai, they really know their cricket. Um, <laughs> but anyway, I think that will be helpful. Just a quick question on, on the, the, the bubble. You know, if you've been in a bubble for however long and then you've got 25,000 people and Pant is launching the ball into the stands every other delivery for six, the ball needs to be presumably cleaned up. How's, how's it going to work? Yes. Yeah, they had the same issue in Australia, didn't they? Yeah, exactly. They have, they kind of have a um, an alcohol wipe where they wipe the ball on, which is probably not good for the ball. And by the way, that ball is just falling apart. It's like the balls I used to play with at school. Have you ever played with a with a like a leather ball and a cement pitch? Yeah, it's like that. And the strings start coming out. Yeah, it's chewed up, right? It looked awful that ball. It did, yeah. Anyway, all right. So we look forward to the second test match in Chennai, uh, starting on. Saturday. Uh, meanwhile, it was actually a great week for uh, for Test cricket. Um, two uh, two other very interesting Test matches were taking place as well. Uh, in Rawalpindi, Pakistan won their. Was this the first? No, this was the second Test, uh, which which delivered the series one uh, nil after the first Test was drawn. Uh, South Africa were chasing. What was it? Three hundred and seventy to win, three hundred and sixty-nine, something like that. Uh, bowled out in the final innings for two hundred and seventy-four. Hassan Ali doing the damage, taking five for sixty, uh, which gave him ten wickets for the match. I think they won two nil, right? No, I think it's one nil. The first test was drawn, was it not? Sorry, am I wrong? No. Sorry, two nil. You're right. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, two nil. Um, yes. Pakistan. Give him credit. Yeah, yeah. Give Pakistan credit. Yeah, sorry. I don't, I don't want to shortchange Pakistan. Actually, it was a very good performance by them. Yeah, Hassan Ali. Hassan Ali bowled Tenfer. well. Uh, on the batting side, um, Fawad Alam uh, continues to uh, get his revenge for being overlooked uh, for 12 mm. years. <laughs> after 12 years in the wilderness. 12 years in the wilderness, during which he piled up first-class runs, but apparently was, was told his technique is not good enough for test cricket and now he's scored <laughs> uh what is it three centuries he's scored now or four um since getting getting into the team um and it's just a weird thing when they say that the technique is not good enough i mean anyone who's seen yeah. shiv chandapal or steve smith bat you know it's just an odd thing to say runs for muhammad rizwan babar azam looked good um problems for south africa though darren i, I think they continue to struggle uh, Aiden Markram batted well. Um, uh, Tim, uh, the bowling looked fine, but they, yeah, they're, they're going through a rough patch. Yeah, very consistent at the moment, aren't they? Yeah, I did. I didn't watch any of it live, but I, I did follow it a little bit. So, yeah, there was some good performance from South Africa, though. I think um, Anrik Nortier, right? He got he got five wickets in the second first innings of the second test. He bowled quite well. A uh, bit of a mixed bag, wasn't it? Really, though, from South Africa, um, seems to be a lot of strife in the camp. Yeah, not really performing. Yeah, and adding to that strife, of course, um, Australia has opted to cancel its tour. It's kind of tough for everyone. This I felt like, you know, you can't really second guess Australia's decision when, when in the in this era we're, we're living in. But at the same time, for South Africa, it's a tough one after the England tour collapsed, and you know they've been through, they're having a lot of issues in terms of their yeah. cricket and you know they, they really do need the money so i think that there was a lot of negotiation behind the scenes 
you know, Australia had certain demands that South Africa just couldn't couldn't meet. Um, there's all this 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 sort of new strain of the of coronavirus going around. I think people at the end of the day just put the players' welfare first, and they bit the bullet. Very unfortunate for South African cricket. They they needed the revenue. They needed the tour to happen. Uh, and I think a lot of the players were disappointed as well, not not to be going there. So, yeah, not great for cricket all around, is it? It means that Australia will not be playing a lot of Test cricket. Apparently, I think they have a one-off test with Afghanistan and yeah, in the second half of the year. Yeah, so I'm not sure where that leaves them. They may want to schedule something before the Ashes. I think they're, they're doing a few T20 tours, right, to New Zealand, to Bangladesh ahead of the T20 World Cup, which is happening in India later this year, of course, uh, and then the Ashes, right? Yeah, at home next summer. Yeah, not not a lot of Test cricket, but but they'll probably play a lot of first class cricket. They'll go back to the Sheffield Shield and they'll probably play a lot of that the Shield players anyway. So. Yeah, not great. Uh, whereas if you look at England and India, as you mentioned, Tobes, they're heading straight to England, really, for this uh, for the summer, right? Yeah. For another yeah. test well, series. Someone else is so touring as well. Uh, New Zealand touring England Yeah, I as think well. they're only getting an... I don't know why they do this. I think it's only two tests, which... I, well, two tests plus they'll get the World Test Championship final. Uh, I so think it just seems disrespectful to New Zealand, who are one of the top sides in the world. I think they should be playing yeah, more. I think England went to New Zealand and only played two tests as well. It's all that way, such a waste of time. It's just the big three nonsense, isn't it, really? And, you know, I think that's the complaint from South Africa here, uh, is that, you know, if, if Australia were touring one of the big three, they felt they probably wouldn't have pulled out. But they, they feel like South Africa is somewhat dispensable, um, and I think they have something of a point. Um, but again, it's really hard to question Australia's decision. Just briefly, let's talk about Kyle Mayer, who um, made his test debut uh, for the West Indies against Bangladesh and only went and scored a double hundred to help the West Indies win the test match. Um, by three wickets, chasing down 395 in the fourth innings. Who can tell me anything about Kyle Mayers? I can. I can tell you that his unbeaten 210 was the fifth highest score on debut, which is still quite a surprise, actually. Um, debut. Uh, debut, depending where you are in the world. Um, the highest scorer on debut was someone I can't remember from a long, long time ago, uh, Reginald Tip Foster, 287. <laughs> uh, it's a great name. Reginald, what a great name. <laughs> but Jacques Rudolph scored 222 not out for South Africa, again against Bangladesh in Chittagong in 2002. So it ranks pretty highly and quite a way to, to announce your uh, relatively late entrance. I think he played um, under 19s and um, uh, cricket for West Indies in 2012, so he's had to wait a long time for his full test debut. Yeah, I mean, the question, I guess, is, is this a one-off or will he... Uh, I've seen someone in the West Indian set up, I don't know if it was the captain or the coach, said he's got a really huge future ahead of him, which is, which is great, actually, if, if that's the case. Uh, so hopefully he'll, he'll kick on. Did you, did you see any of this, Darren? No, I just followed it a little bit on <clears throat> Quick Info and stuff, but I, I didn't watch any of it. But um, yeah, it was uh, surprising, right? I mean, he, he, it's... It, I mean, often it happens when someone makes a debut and scores big runs, but it's, it's been a sort of hyped-up debut, isn't it? Like somebody who's coming for the ranks and everyone's looking forward to seeing him. This guy has been around for a while, you know, late 20s, you know, first-class average of just 28, right? So it's not like he's setting the world on fire. Uh, and he comes out and scores a double hundred in Chittagong. It's um, pretty incredible. Yeah, it is, I agree. 
Um, it's just out of nowhere. I mean, that's the mis- that's the, the beautiful beauty of Test cricket, right? Yeah, it's good. Some, yeah, very interesting. Unknown Kyle Mayers, boom, and it's the actual first batsman to hit a double hundred in the second innings on on his Test debut. Yeah, these second innings go. totals just get bigger and bigger as well. They do. Um, so the second Test in Dhaka is today, in fact. So um, we'll see how that unfolds. All right, before we finish, we need to talk about. The uh, the fallout in Australia um, <laughs> from Toasty Gate and various other events. Reports from unnamed sources in the Australian media complaining about Justin Langer. His coaching style is too intense. The players are too scared around him. They can't take Toasties onto the field. <laughs> What's the world coming to? What is the world coming to? Darren Burns, tell us more. Uh, it's an interesting, interesting one, isn't it? We talked about this before during the test, didn't we? You know, if you sort of watch the documentary, the test, you, you did see Justin Langer in, in, in all his intensity, uh, his spirituality, his kind of physicality, uh, all that kind of stuff. And I, I think there's been rumours coming out of the dressing room, hasn't he, that he was too intense in Brisbane, for example, uh, too overbearing. Um, there has been some discussion about, you know, Langer was the right person to bring in after what blew up in South Africa where they needed somebody to sort of bring him back into, back into order by smashing him around the ears a little bit. Uh, is that still warranted, um, that sort of leadership style? Uh, I think what we do see from Justin Langer, though, and we talked about this before we went on, didn't we, is that he, he seems to handle the, the allegations very well and talked about learning and evolving his, his coaching style, which is interesting, right, versus going out and kind of defending himself and um, yeah, although, too much. Yeah, although so he did bring up see. the toasty. Kind of, kind of. In my defense, the yeah. guy wanted and fair to take enough. To- yeah, fair it's enough. Pretty village, right? I mean, yeah. I would do the same thing if you're. The- Wouldn't you do the same thing? Oh, I saw an idiot I mean, I, mupp- honestly, a muppet bringing the toasty onto the field. I think it was ridiculous, <laughs> and and for Justin Langer, who played in one of the great sporting teams ever, uh, to see this kind of thing going on, I mean, I feel a bit sad for him, actually. Yeah, I mean, when the test is on the line, I guess he feels that some of the players are just not. They don't value the bag of green or don't value playing for their country enough, mm. um, right? Yeah. I'd, so I, I guess he reacts negatively to that. I guess a lot of coaches would too. I don't, I don't see many coaches would be okay with that kind of bullshit. Yeah, I mean, I could see some coaches might eat the toasty. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I don't think many would, would, would let it onto the field. Yeah. I mean, let's talk about Justin Langer a little bit because we, we, you know, we watched the test, I think, and we sort of saw the intensity up close. And I think that's one of the things with these fly-on-the-wall documentaries. And I think that is also playing into this a little bit. So everyone that knows what Justin Langer is like, Usman Khawaja famously in that series was, um, I don't know if he was deputized to go and speak to Langer about his intensity. Uh, and then he disappeared. <laughs> we, we haven't seen exactly. him <laughs> since, since he had that chat with Justin Feedback Langer. is a gift. <laughs> Always open to feedback. That was the end of Usman Khawaja's career. So I guess the question is, is is Justin Langer too intense or, or, or are the players maybe a little bit too soft these days? I think it's interesting, you know, there's pressure apparently going on in Queensland now to make Manus Labashain captain of the, the first-class team. Uh, Usman Khawaja is currently the captain of the state side. Uh, there's pressure, that, you know, there's, there's, there's discussion that he might be a future leader, captain of Australia, which seems a long way off. So this toasty thing coming out at the same time, it's like, I wonder if that scuttled that a little bit. So obviously the front runner now is Pat uh, Cummins, but you know they're talking about Marta Slavashen as potentially a leader. 
uh, he doesn't seem like a, much of a leader to me at the moment. No, well, I think this, again, I think we've made this point before, but I think it's probably because he's a really good batsman and there's always this bias to make That's the right. best batsman the captain. And sometimes That's they right. imbue, imbue the best batsman with leadership qualities they don't have. Exactly. I feel that. Are, are you talking about Virat Kohli? <laughs> <laughs> I would never cast any aspersions on the king, um, even if he is only the third best captain in the Indian side. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire. There's probably some truth to this intensity thing. Maybe he's trying to manage the players all the same way, which is, you know, leaders don't do that. You have to manage pe- different players in different ways um, to get the best out of them. So I don't know if it's that or it's just a matter of, you know, some of these guys pulling their head in a bit. Toby, are you surprised at all that Australia haven't rung more changes? I mean, the, the captain's still in place, coach is still in place. Haven't been any, certainly there's not been a huge amount of, of talk about wholesale changes to the squad. Yeah, I thought uh, I thought that Tim Payne looked under a lot of pressure at the end of the series. I think you know the the, the silly stump Mike stuff didn't show him up in a particularly good light. He did apologise straight afterwards, which is yeah, you know, he's a, I think he's a good guy, but I think Australia um, is he the best captain they could possibly have? Is he the best wicket keeper they've got in the country? Question marks around Payne, and then Payne's done a great job to stabilise the the image of Australian cricket when there's a big fallout after the sandpaper stuff and broadcasters were were talking about jumping ship and Cricket Australia were going to lose cash because of it. So he's done more than just the cricket. He's actually really stabilised the image of cricket, which is really important. But has that job now been done and can they look at who's next? And I thought Labuschagne is the obvious standout candidate to me. And he's got the, he's a fantastic batsman. He's got the respect of his team, toasties aside. Um, so to me, has he got the respect of his team? I think he, he's known as being quite annoying. I, th- I think, I think he, I think he right, would lead by the front, right? I, tell me if I'm wrong. Aussies like people that lead from the front. It's do as I do, not do as I say. So I don't know. Mm. If you, have you, did you hear that commentary with Shane Warne and uh, Andrew Simons? That was pretty harsh. I heard that the, off, off air thing. Yeah, very harsh. Very harsh. Uh, so I'm not sure if he does have the respect. I mean, he's a great batsman, obviously, um, but he can grow, potentially grow into that role. I think with Tim Payne, it's more about it's the captain versus leadership thing, isn't it? I mean, I think he's a good leader of the group, but is he the most astute captain on the field? I'm not sure if that's there. And so do they maybe, you know, what I, what I always get bothered with in cricket is it's almost like this dictatorial thing when you go on the pitch. And I think I noticed Jajinka Rahani consulting a lot of the players of course you make your own decisions but you sort of engage people in the in the in the strategy and all those kind of things right where i think tim Payne has been put in this position where he's kind of this 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 kind of dictator and he's the captain on the field and he has everyone has to sort of go through him and so maybe if they adjusted a little bit but he can really only go on for another year surely i mean not much more than that i wouldn't have thought i think they should do it now before the ashes i'm not sure what the point is of keeping Tim Payne in the role, unless the the benefit of continuity is is that great with the Ashes coming up. But I don't feel like it, Australia would be any worse with Pat Cummins as captain. I don't think so either. And I think often, as we know in history, these things, doing them earlier rather than later tends to be better. I mean, you know, when you sort of let it drift on for too long and somebody overstays their welcome, it, it creates a lot of tension as well in the team. So I'm not saying there is tension around this this issue, but everybody keeps coming out publicly and supporting Tim Payne for I don't know what reason, saying, oh, it's, he's going to be there another year, but why? I mean, I'm sure he'd probably be happy to move on. It just, it just makes me wonder about Cricket Australia in general because they said that, you know, they were going to learn from from all the things that had happened, but, you know, this they are really closing ranks around Tim Payne and Justin Langer. And, you know, in in, in some respects, that's that's good that they have loyalty and they're not just, they're not just um, 
dropping them really quickly. But at the same time, I feel like um, there's a sort of conservatism to the decision-making, uh, which is not necessarily the best thing um, for Australia right now. So, And the only way you're going to, I mean, not, whether it's Lavashane or whether it's Pat Cummins, they don't have much much captaincy experience. So the only way to get that is by doing it, right? It'll be I Smith mean, or Cummins. You, you can keep it? They're not going to make Lavashane captain now, are they? I don't think they'll go back to Smith. Uh, I doubt it. Yeah. It's possible, but I, I wouldn't have thought so. I don't, I, I'm not sure which other batsman could be a captain, really. I, I, I mean, maybe Labuschagne in a few years, but I, I kind of would side with you, Darren. I think he's it's just a bit odd. Um, I'm not sure that he's necessarily, at least right now, leadership material. Yeah, well, they had high hopes for Travis Head. If, if you remember, he was brought in as vice-captain, and he after he had a bit of a golden run, but he's, you know, he's just not, he hasn't been batting very well in the last few years. And I think it's similar to Ajinka Rahane. It seems to be sort of ducks or ones or hundreds for him. So it's hard to hand over a captaincy if somebody's not performing, you know, to the level. Yeah, it's difficult. I mean, that's, that is one of the issues for India as well. You know, you could make, not that they will, but if you make Rahane captain, I'm actually becoming increasingly concerned about Ajinka Rahane's batting. Um, because, you know, he scored that century in Melbourne, that's great, but, but then he's basically, you know, failed in five innings since then. And over the last three years, I think he's, he hasn't really, he hasn't scored a lot of runs. Um, and, and yeah, I do think he's a, he's a wonderful captain. Um, so yeah, it's a tough one. We'll see, see how it unfolds. All right, great. Well, thank you so much to all of you for listening. Thanks to our fellow podcasters. Enjoy the cricket and stay safe.